Hello friend, thank you for tuning in and welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the program where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the program where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy and you are listening to Pastor Fabiano and I'm here in the studios of Faith FM in the South Australian Conference and I'm delighted to be able to spend the next hour with you, our dear listener. So we welcome you on this radio program. Here uh, in the studio, I'm with my good friend Helen Gray. Uh, Let me just once again remind you that throughout this whole week, we have been... Um, discussing under the theme how good was God when he created hell. Obviously, that might shock some of you when you hear that. We say, what? Did God create hell? However, for today's topic, we will be uh, discussing once again on that very theme, but the topic will be, where did the hellfire teaching Originate. Obviously, if you have been listening to uh, this uh, uh, radio program throughout the whole week, you would have found some biblical answers uh, in answering this question. Uh, how good was God when he created hell? Obviously, the question itself is uh, uh, it, it's one that, I mean, one wouldn't expect uh, to hear uh, being phrased that way. But our co-host this week is Helen Gray. Uh, Helen Gray has been on this radio program for now for ages, I guess, <laughs> forever. She's a wonderful Bible student and she brings wonderful insights from the Word of God. Uh, she is also uh, ministering at Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church and uh, she's enjoying um, the lay ministry uh, that uh, she's been engaged in now for quite a long time, I believe. Uh, and uh, she's also passionate about winning souls to Christ. Now, Maybe let me bring in Helen a little bit for those who might be tuning in for the first time that she may introduce herself and the work that she's doing and how she's funding ministry. Um, Helen, you are here on this radio program, but obviously um, this is not what you do from day to day. You have a church that you're looking after and you are also uh, an experienced evangelist. Uh, you've done many other uh, programs uh, in the church, isn't it, Helen? That's quite correct. That's Thank right. you, Fabiano. It's That's great right. to be here again. Yeah. Um, yes, I'm involved in the radio ministry. That's and right. And it is a privilege. We also do the um, Sabbath school program. comes yes. out on Saturday mornings. That's right. And I'm, I've been privileged to be part of that. Um, yes, I am working with the Birdwood Church as uh, their lay pastoral worker. But I'm also involved in other areas as well. I'm a health education presenter. Right. So I travel, I preach all around South Australia. That's right. Um, And I also work for the Gawler Public Library. Ah. I I go out on their mobile library run, which I love. I get to meet lots of people that... You know, a shut in, and yeah. there's some wonderful people out there. Sometimes I, we're able to help them and what have you. So, yeah, yeah kept kept fairly busy That's between right. that and and Bible studies, prayer meetings, and what have you. But I wow. love my my life. I live life more abundantly. Oh, that's good Because to hear. I have Christ in my life. Amen. And I'm very passionate about sharing Him. He is my very best friend. Oh, praise God! And I have lived without Him, and I never want to go through that again. 
Oh, just love him. Definitely. And I love people. studying his word. You know, I didn't know that you actually worked for the library. No. That is quite amazing. Oh, there you go. You that's must be a, a books person. That's, oh, books person. <laughs> that's on a voluntary capacity. Yes, All right. I'm a bookaholic. I yeah, well, I really wish I had more time. I, you know, I've got some books sitting there in my little office at home, and yeah, I would really love to read some more. But I, hopefully, you know, in your little spare time as you're volunteering, you get some time to also, I guess, read as well. I don't know, or maybe you're just on the road, just you know, dropping off books and things like well, that. Well, I always yeah. carry a book with me in case the yeah. car breaks down or <laughs> something like that. Um, right. Before I got the car I have now, I used to be playing um, CDs, you know, sermons right. and all sorts of things. A bit lost now because this one has a USB port and no CDs, and I believe USBs are also on the way out. Yeah, I was going to say, um, Helen, um, some of my listeners might not even know what a CD is. Well, isn't, isn't that sad? <laughs> it I, is. I remember mum died um within the last two years and I went to visit her one day and I said I'll bring some slides in you know from where you've been and I took this this suitcase of slides opened it up and one of the young um, carers there looked at it and said what are they <laughs> and uh, I don't even know what you're saying to be honest <laughs> yeah well see now I'm feeling very ancient and um, yeah I'm glad that Jesus loves me <laughs> well Jesus loves all of us definitely and and we are very grateful for that hey I've got a wonderful uh, news headline, a prophetic development, um, if you like. And uh, let's see uh, what you think about this. This is written by Dr. Gary S. Smith. Uh, he's writing for the Christian Headlines, and uh, this is what he says. Heaven and hell are in the news and on America's um, televisions a lot lately. Now, he's, I believe, an American writing for the uh, American people, but we find this to be quite interesting because whatever happens in the U.S. tends to happen here as well. Uh, well, maybe not everything, but hey, most of the things. But this is what he says. He says, heaven is for real. A little boy's astounding story of his trip to heaven and back is currently number one on the New York Times bestseller list for non-fiction. It details a four-year-old's near-death experience as told to his pastor father, the boy who came back from heaven, a remarkable account of miracles, angels, and life beyond this world, describes the similar experiences of a six-year-old after he woke, um, awoke from a two-month uh, coma caused by a car accident. So Rob Bell's controversial life wins, a book about heaven, hell, and the fate of every person who ever lived has provoked much debate, especially among evangelicals, by arguing that hell might not exist. Now, take this. Despite the secularity of our era and the assault of the new atheism and orthodox Christian doctrines, large majorities of Americans still believe in heaven and hell. Many, however, are reluctant to consign, to consign anyone to hell, except for the perpetrators of horrific evil like Bin Laden and, uh, and Adolf Hitler. In this age of tolerance and relativism, Failure to believe in Jesus' atonement on the cross for human sin or to live by traditional moral standards does not seem like a valid basis for anyone going to hell. So too many, rather too many I should say, the concept of everlasting suffering is unjust, offensive, or even absurd. Now, my own comment here, Hollywood films are fascinated with the nature of 
the afterlife. One thing that I found, this is only a small paragraph from his article, but one thing that I found quite interesting is this, what he says right at the beginning. You know, uh, heaven and hell are in the news and uh, on Americans' Americans' minds alone lately. And the fact that also in the second paragraph here where he says that um, despite the secularity of our error, and they are sort of the new atheism and so forth, he says that, you know, most Americans still believe in heaven and hell. So this thing, Helen, um, about the afterlife mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the fact that whether you believe or don't, you still believe in some kind of an afterlife, and we are seeing this also in Hollywood films, tells me that, hey, we may, yes, um, say that we don't believe in God, but we believe there is something uh, beyond this life, at least, isn't it? I, I mean, that's what uh, Dr. Gary is saying here. I don't know if you've noticed that in, you know, most of the films nowadays, you know, they speak about, you know, um, somehow moving from this life and jumping into the future and uh, speaking to your loved ones that have passed away. And I mean, these kinds of things are real in Hollywood films, but yet we live in a very secular society. What do you think of that? Well, for a start, that's an oxymoron you just said. All right. You said these things are very real in Hollywood society. Uh-huh. Hollywood is a place of fantasy. Fantasy. I mean, it's a real place, don't that's get me right, wrong. That's right, that's but right. But they deal with fantasy. Mm, mm. And, um, yes, people may not believe in God, and yeah. some people have the opinion that when we die, we we go straight to heaven or we go to hell, yeah. um, or when we die, we're, we're floating around, our soul is floating around the immortality of the soul. Right. However, my authority for what happens after you die is the Bible. That's right. And That's right. I believe in sola scriptura. Amen. And what does that uh, mean? That means the Bible and, and the, the Bible ma- okay. alone. Wonderful. And yes. um, when I first started reading the Bible, my my thought was, yes, when people die, they go straight to heaven or hell. That's okay. what I was brought up with. Yes. But in my studies, I've discovered that that's not what happens. That's not what the Bible says. It's not mm-hmm. biblical. Okay. Um, the Bible says that when you die, you are like you are asleep. Even Jesus right. said that. Right, right. And um, to me, that actually became quite comforting because when I thought, like I said to my sister, mm-hmm. when when mum and dad died, okay. it wouldn't be heaven for them. If you think they went straight to heaven and they were looking down on us, it wouldn't be heaven. It would be hell. That's right. Because how are they going to contact us? How are they going to help us? They they would be literally helpless if we were in trouble. Now, I would hate to be in heaven watching my children um, being in, in terrible trouble and not being able to help them. That's right. Uh, that would not be heaven for me. No, definitely and, not. Um, for me, the biblical doctrine of death yes. ab- absolutely um, helps me to understand how loving God is. Amen. That's you know, wonderful. Yes. We've also got the blessed hope that yes. when Jesus comes again, he will, he will awaken us from that sleep of death. Okay. And um, I love it in Thessalonians where he says, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, mm. and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together right. with them in the air to meet the Lord, and Wonderful. so shall we ever be with the Lord. To me, that is a blessed hope. It is sad, though, that if people don't want to choose God, mm. they don't love mm. him, mm. and they want to just, and God gave us a free will, okay. there will be what we call the second 
death. Okay. And that will be for those that won't rise when Jesus comes that's because right. they will stay in the grave until after a thousand years. And that's called the millennium. And that again comes through from the Bible. Right, right. And until right. that, 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 that actually end coming where the new Jerusalem comes back to, um, earth, then the, the wicked dead will be raised. Yes. And, yes. uh, that comes to our, comes us, brings us right to what we're going to talk about tonight, Fabiano. Right. Um, will they be raised to go into hellfire? Mm, mm. That's and, an interesting word. And, and I think, uh, before we even delve any deeper then, you know, and, and you, you, you are right. We need to look at this from a biblical perspective. We need to look at what the Bible actually says because the Bible is the, Truth is the word of God, and um, yeah. But I just find I just find it quite interesting that hey, we do live in a secular world, but yet people are still fascinated by this idea of the afterlife. And yeah, hopefully in our study today, we will be able to um, get some light on that and understand truly what the Bible has to say on this topic as we wrestle with the topic: um, where did the hellfire teaching originate? And, and maybe we might look a little bit into the history of that, and then actually they get to understand the truth as it is from Scripture. But be, in order for us to actually understand uh, spiritual things, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us and to uh, prepare our minds to understand uh, what the word of God actually has to say. So maybe with that, let me invite whoever might be listening to join me in a prayer as we ask God to lead us. Let us pray. Our kind and precious Father, Lord, we come to you once again uh, with uh, a desire to learn from you, to learn from your word. And Father, we are ever grateful that we have these wonderful opportunities where we could actually delve much deeper into Scripture and actually study what your word has to say and enlighten our minds and give us hope and courage and direction and clarity on some of these uh, 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 interesting subjects. And Father, we pray that you would actually interpret for each one of us we pray that you will speak to each one of us in fact speak to each one um to 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 each of our needs and uh, we pray that you would actually help us to have understanding because there is a lot of confusions and there's a lot of um well, unbiblical teachings, uh, even on this very subject. And so father, we pray that you give us clarity this we pray in Jesus name amen amen so Helen, I'd just like to remind uh, those who are listening that uh, you can actually interact with us uh, on this um, uh, on this uh, uh, on this radio program by sending in your uh, text message, whether it be question or even a greeting. We would even love to hear where you're listening from by you know just sending us a text to zero four double eight double eight zero eight eleven. The number is zero four double eight double eight zero eight eleven. In fact, it is the same number. Which you can use to, um, uh, to, 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 to get some of our, um, free offers. And the free offer for today is actually a book by Jim Ayer. Uh, a, a, and it is titled, God May Be Kinder Than You Think. A beautiful book exploring this topic of judgment and hell. Um, a lot of people are fearful, but uh, Jim Ayer takes this and, and helps us to see what the Bible actually says and the beautiful message that is found in the Bible that actually can give us comfort even in the times in which we're living, uh, where people are actually seeking and, and asking many questions actually. Uh, and uh, so this is the book um, 
Yeah, um, God may be kinder than you think by Jim Ayer. If you really want, uh, if you really want that book, uh, here is the code word to actually text uh, to that number zero four double eight double eight zero eight eleven. The code word is judgment and hell. Uh, if you send us your name, your address, your phone number, um, together with that uh, code word. That will be much appreciated because then we will know uh, uh, which name, which address, which number to actually send that book to. But the code word is judgment and help. And so once again, there are those who have sent in some questions. i just like to speak, uh, if Darren is listening, we've received your question and uh, we, apologize, we apologize that we've taken a little bit of time to respond, but we haven't actually forgotten. Um, we will endeavor to actually get to this as soon as possible. We love your questions. We love to hear where you're listening from. So once again uh let us take a short break uh, i would just like to come to this song in the sanctuary by 3abn music uh and um as we uh meditate on the words that are found in this song let us prepare our hearts as well uh to hear what uh, helen has to share with us today and so my friend do stay tuned we'll be right back Up in heaven, hallelujah, oh hallelujah, he's our defender before the Father, in a temple made by God, not man, behind the veil, in a place most holy.
sanctuary at the mercy seat in the holy holy in the holy of holies we he's beautiful song about the love of God and what he has done for us and once again welcome back you are listening to Faith FM Draft Time big Q&A with uh, Pastor Fabiano Nyonghuru and our co-host once again is Helen Gray Helen is a wonderful radio uh, co-host and I've enjoyed um, you know studying scripture with her on this radio program and so once again I want to welcome Helen back to the radio and um, yeah our theme for this week has been how good was God when he created hell and that has been the theme but the topic today is where did the hell fire teaching originate um, maybe let's launch it to the study now with this question yeah where does the teaching of eternally hell come from where did it originate well Ooh. i was really surprised when i went in to study this topic right and um because i guess the era that i was brought up in was the era too that tells you how old i am of hellfire and brimstone right but you'll notice that not many preachers are going down that line now mm. like we used to Mm. And when I went back to do some study, I discovered that it was at the end of the second century Christianity had begun to blend Greek philosophy, human speculative reasoning with Mm. the teachings of God's word. 
Such words and phrases as continuance of being or perpetual existence, incapable of dissolution and incorruptible, began to appear in so-called Christian writings. And they, by the way, Fabiano, have come straight from Plato, the Greek philosopher. Right. All those years before Jesus. Mm. Other phrases used were the soul to remain by itself immortal and an immortal nature. It was taught that this is how God made us. But this idea derives from philosophy, not divine inspiration. There are no such words in the Bible. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was Athenagoras, a Christian, but whose teachings, according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, were strongly tinged with Platonism, who had introduced the teaching of an immortal soul into Christianity. And in this way, he actually paved the way for the logical introduction of eternal torment for immortal but sinful souls. And that was a hundred years and more after the time of the Apostles. Right. And it came straight from popular philosophy. Mm. You know, the apostles themselves had consistently taught that about sleep, that death is asleep. That's right. To be followed by the resurrection. That's right. And the early church leaders, Clement, Ignatius, Hermas, Polycarp, and others who also believed that death is asleep, taught that the wicked are destroyed forever by fire. Right. Their punishment was to be annihilation. And those leaders did not teach of an immortal soul to be tortured by fire in hell for eternity. I'm afraid that if I actually thought that someone was going to be tortured by fire in hell for eternity and they told me that God orchestrated that, that would not be the God I'd be serving. Mm. That's not God. You know, Helen, as I was listening to you, um, I guess my own simple way of looking at this uh, based on what you just said is that, hey, when the apostles were still alive, we have the truth as it is found in Scripture. Mm. But after they die, someone starts bringing in what we could call like the new knowledge, the, you know, the inside knowledge. I mean, they're, they're shopping around uh, and they're looking at um, the philo- philosophies uh, uh, of, the, of, the, of the time and they're reading all these things. And so they're yeah. bringing them into uh, Christianity, maybe supposing that hey, they have the new light, they have, yes. you know, thinking that maybe this is going to, you know, cause people to um, think like they had some inside knowledge. I don't know. But, yeah. but that's what I'm hearing in that before there was clear biblical teaching, but then after, some people start introducing things that are outside of Scripture. Yeah, but it also then carried on, sadly enough. It became a tradition. Right, right. And it carried on, and about um, AD 240, Tertullian of Carthage took up the teaching of an immortal soul, and it was he who added the further but logical dimension. He taught the endless torment of the immortal soul of the wicked was parallel to the eternal blessedness of the saved with no sleep of death after this life. In other words, when you die, you either went straight to the blessedness of heaven or, according to him, your soul was went to, they had no sleep. Hmm. It became the endless torment. You know, and I th- thought to myself about that and I thought, you know, this came at a time when many Christians were being burned for their faith and mm. it was actually natural for them to accept that their persecutors would at death be consigned to an ever-burning hell huh, for their persecution. Yeah, they had okay. inflicted on others while they went straight to eternal bliss. And so from the third century, the darkness of the infiltration of man-made beliefs into Christianity deepened until the dark ages had smothered almost all the light of God's word. 
You know, wow. at the beginning of this time, the first attempts were made to create a systematic set of beliefs. It's not surprising that an ever-burning hell and the immortality of the soul were prominently included. You know, it is at this time that such beliefs held by most Christians today, sadly, had their origin. An ever-burning hell has remained a commonly taught doctrine of the Christian religion, mm. even to this day. And I'm sorry, but it was not based on the Bible, but on philosophy. Mm. Bible, right. Bible verses were later sought to uphold the ancient philosophy of the Greeks and to add to their teaching. And that also became very interesting because even some of the words uh, went along with that same philosophy. Yet if you go back to the original meaning, it certainly does not mean hellfire. There is right, no right. word of hellfire in Scripture. Yeah. And in fact, the word that is interpreted hell is a mistranslation, if you like, from the original Hebrew and Greek. Interesting. Well, we will come to that. But once again, I'm hearing that these are Erroneous teachings which were being yes. introduced And this led up to the Dark Ages Is that what you're saying? It, it went right That's up right. to the Dark Age And it was almost yeah. all the teachings were smothered in the Dark Ages So truth was being cast aside You know, one teaching after another And obviously people were being laid, laid um, People were being led to uh, Pretty much in, into darkness yes. By those who should Pretty much be, I guess, the champions of truth. Yes. Uh, obviously, you know, I, ca I can only imagine that, uh, uh, according to what I've read in history, that, you know, uh, at a time such as that where, uh, the common man was, uh, not allowed to read scripture for himself, then these teachings could pretty much spread, spread easily. Mm -hmm. And, uh, as, as, as human beings, as we, as we heard from the introduction there, we are always fascinated about something, you know, to do with afterlife. And so, mm. yeah, that's, that's quite fascinating. Oh, well, maybe, mm. um, we now look at what scripture has to say. What does the Bible really teach us on this? Hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe you could actually, yeah, enlighten us uh, on, on that because, you know, we would like to know what the Bible says uh, after all. But uh, that's, that was quite an interesting, uh, um, yeah, discovery there to just look at even where uh, this teaching yeah, came from. Yeah, that, that was a revelation for me Yeah, yeah. Um, when I went amazing. in to study yeah. it. And I thought, you know, um, there are some very good reasons for us to even question some of the things that we are, we are taught. We need to, yeah. we need solar scripture and we need to put it into context. And, and you know, the Christians, uh, of, of Berea that Paul, the apostle, uh, speaks about, he says that they went and checked in scripture. Yes. To so, see if it, things were so. So that's what we should be doing. Yeah. And, right. and as I often, I often tell the parishioners, you know, when I'm preaching, don't take my word completely for all that I'm telling you. I hope I never take you down the road of heresy, mm. but you need to go home and study it for yourself. Mm. If mm. I'm teaching error, please come and tell me, mm. and we'll talk about it. And I think it's the same with everyone. We need to, as you said, become like the Bereans. Mm. And, you know, one might contend that, that it's her heretical to even question such long-standing, widely accepted Christian teachings. But if this doctrine is truly scriptural, mm -hmm. then those that believe it have nothing to, to worry about if mm. we want to study it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, furthermore, it's only proper that all doctrines, no matter how traditional or popular, be questioned right. in the light of what the Bible clearly teaches That's for right. it is the God-breathed scriptures alone which we must look to for truth not popularity or, or religious tradition. Mm. Let me just say again the theological principle of sola scriptura 
The Latin for by scripture alone maintains that the Bible is the final authority regarding all judgments of Christian doctrine and practice. And as I also share with people, don't stand on one text. Line up all the text you can about that topic. And if it's a straight line like a picket fence, you're pretty well on track. Mm. But if it ends up being like a dog's hind leg, <laughs> get rid of it because <laughs> something's, right. something's not quite true, you know. That's but, right. And the sad mm. thing is, you know, because of all the sound principle, many traditional doctrines and practices have proven to be false over the years okay. and have properly been dis- discarded. And I think that's important. Needless to say, it's a very positive thing, even for Christians to periodically reevaluate your belief, That's my right. belief, you know, right. our belief, our practices, because mm. it helps prevent Christendom from straying mm. from the biblical model. That's right. You know, and, and since reevaluating some of the official church teachings is very much a part of the Christian heritage, it's a healthy practice. There should be no problem presenting. It's simply entertaining the possibility that tradition may be in an error regarding this belief of perpetual conscious mm. torment. Mm. You know, what is tradition? Oh, tradition, ah, tradition. Okay, as I think of tradition, well, I'm thinking it's well, like set of uh, cultural practices that are, you know, have have been handed over from generation to generation, and it just becomes a tradition. I guess that's yeah. That's 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 but what I can think of. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that tradition is based on some. Um, doctrinal belief, does no, it? No. You know, no. when I think of the word tradition, I think I've mentioned this before, where a gentleman was married and he watched his wife putting a, a uh, roast lamb leg, you know, in the oven okay. and she topped and tailed it. In other words, cut off the edges and okay. put it in the oven. And he said, Why do you do that? And she said, My mum always did it. So he went to the <laughs> mum, said, you know, when you put it in the oven, what do you say? I top and tail it. Why do you do it? Right. Grandmother always did it. So right. grandmother was still alive. So he went and spoke to grandma and he said, why do you do, do you do that? And she said, yeah. He said, why do you do, do that? And she said, because it wouldn't fit in the oven. Right. There was a tradition followed <laughs> down, which needed to get rid of yes. because the ovens became bigger. Yeah. You know, and sometimes we get so immersed in tradition, mm. we actually say, no, it's in the Bible. Mm. For example, as I said, there is no way you will find the word hellfire mm-hmm. in the Bible. Right, right, right. You will find in in the more modern translation the word hell. Right. But that's also been incorrectly put mm. into the modern translation wow. because you know I was reading uh, the New Living Translation the other day, and your version too, I believe, says the same in Matthew, and it mentions about if your eye causes you sin, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of, and it says hell. Yes. And yet there is a note here in my Bible which says the Greek word Gehenna. Gehenna. Fire is what it refers to. Interesting. And what I, I'm actually going to jump a little because I found this extremely interesting. Okay. Um, the word translated hell. The doctrine of hell is actually mainly being manufactured by theologians. All right. You know, and as I said, the word hellfire never appears in the original scriptures, either in the Hebrew nor in the Greek. It is a mistranslation of four different words made by translators of the Bible who consciously or subconsciously were influenced by their preconceived theological beliefs. You know, it was 
very interesting when I started to study into this and looked at some of the words. The words meaning hell that have been translated hell okay. have often been looked at as being an everlasting burning fire or a fire that burns up the wicked and permanently an- annihilates them. So the translators arbitrarily translated the words according to their own predetermined religious beliefs. Right. All Christians, even today, believe in one of those two, two doctrines, that God will either outright destroy or burn forever those who don't love and worship him. Hmm. Well, I say all Christians, but perhaps not all. I made a mistake there. Okay, but listen, listen to the words hell. Okay. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word sheol, mm-hmm. you've heard that before. Yes. Yes, and this has the same word as Hades in the Greek. The Greek. That's so right. in the Greek or the Hebrews, it's sheol or Hades. And it actually means, when I went to look at it up in Strong's, it means the unseen, defining the place where the soul goes when a person dies. Right. Now that, of course, will open up a whole Pandora box yeah. because people <laughs> immediately say, Ah, the immortal soul. Sorry. Um, When a person was born in Genesis 2-7, wasn't a living soul until God breathed into his his body. Mm. Then he became a living soul. And Ecclesiastes 12-7 says that when the body dies, the soul or that breath goes back to God. Mm. Mm. Okay. So when we look at the words Hades, do you know the other words for Hell? Well, another word for hell. I, okay, so we've talked about Sheol, okay, Hades, uh, Gehenna, or some people yes. say Gehenna. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that refers to the deepest ab- abyss. All right. Okay, all right. Or, or to burning. Right. Yes. And we also have here Tartaro, right? if I could try to yes. pronounce it. Tartaros. Yeah, Tartaros, mm. all right. And that word is only used once in the Bible. I should really say that Tartarus is the one that refers to the deepest abyss of Hades. Gehenna on the other side was the one referring to a burning place. Okay. You know, like the rubbish dump that, you know, just up from where Christ was crucified. Right. And the burning, yeah, it it only burns up what's there until it's completely gone. Mm -hmm. And why it keeps burning is because they keep adding to it. You will notice that, and I'm sure you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, and it says there, what does it say about Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah, I believe it might have been the book of Judah, actually, that says that, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah has been set uh, as an example mm. of the eternal, uh, the words might know, I'm paraphrasing here, of what's going to happen uh, in the end in terms of the, uh, uh, the, 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 the place where the wicked will be pretty much thrown into the lake of lake fire. Lake of fire in Revelation. Um, that's 20. right. And interestingly, um, if, Solomon Gomorrah is the example. What well, Solomon Gomorrah isn't burning today. How do you know? Well, because um, all the uh, archaeologists have uh, went up and dug up and looked up and searched everywhere, and isn't it? And it isn't burning today. That's so, quite correct. And so, <laughs> so what does that actually mean then? So, I guess my understanding is that, um, well, if Solomon Gomorrah. If the Bible says that Sodom and Gomorrah is the example, well, then the, that means that uh, the, 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 um, the, the, the fire, um, or as people call them, the fires of hell, uh, will come to an end. It, these are not uh, everlasting or uh, ever-burning uh, uh, fires. So, so it must be, it must be a, a punishment that the wicked will receive uh, for once and for all, and is, you know, it will be done and dusted and 
God will start everything new afresh. I believe that's what the Bible says as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I may just share that verse in Revelation 20, okay. 14 yep. and 15, it says, Then death and the grave wow. were thrown into the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. This lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Right, right. But... That was to symbol. That was symbolic of God's judgment was finished. Right. Oh, interesting. You know, the lake yeah. of fire was the ultimate destination of everything wicked: Satan, the beast, the false prophet, the demons, death, the grave, and all those whose names are not recorded in the book of life because they did not show faith in Jesus Christ. Mm. You know, it didn't. Um, it didn't say there that they would suffer eternal com uh, eternal. Damnation. That's right. Um, as in burning. Okay. It doesn't say that. Yep. Yep. You yep. know. Okay. So it's like if you if you if you're at a bonfire and you throw something on the bonfire, it it gets annihilated. It becomes ashes. That's right. Now after the ashes, they're nothing. Gone. Yeah, and that's yeah, what will yeah. happen. That's right. Um, look, it, it it may be a torture for a brief time. I do not know. Mm. But our God is a merciful God. He I do know that. God. That's right. And in allowing this to happen, he doesn't want sin to enter into heaven anymore that's again. Right. And he is a loving, long-suffering God. Even now, Fabiano, he is calling people to him. Amen. He wants Amen. people to give their life to him freely, mm. a free choice. And he has offered yes. life more abundantly. Yes. He's offered forgiveness That's of right. sin. That's right. He's offered to take away that guilt. Mm. And he died on the cross. That's on right. the cross, our sins were nailed to that cross. That's right. And, and that's just amazing to think that what we've done in the past has been forgiven. Mm. Amen. That, that is very encouraging. And you know, Helen, um, my belief is that Yes, the Bible does speak about the punishment. Uh, and it does speak about the, um, uh, what should we call it? Uh, the reward of the wicked. And, but, um, as I think about this, however, uh, you know, I think of God as the source of life. Yes. And the Bible does say somewhere in scripture, uh, that God, um, his presence is, is like a consuming fire, right? Yes. So therefore I think that those obviously who would have refused, um, you know, to, to, to follow him. Those who would have actually rejected God, they are pretty much removing themselves from the source of life. And so they'll become pretty much like fuel in his presence. They'll be, you know, they'll be burned up. They'll be destroyed by the brightness of his, of his appearance. And, um, so in a sense, they'll receive that reward, which is, um, yeah, unimaginable. It will be painful, but, but, but though, the most interesting thing, however, is that God is long-suffering, the Bible tells us, that because He doesn't want anyone to perish. He actually, His, you know, His agenda is to save. Yes. But, uh, it, it is said that, uh, um, some will choose to reject Him, but, but God's God's agenda is actually to save. Mm. Tell uh, me, where is King yeah. David today? Well, the Bible does tell us in Acts chapter 2, uh, I believe it's somewhere in verse 40 something, and I remember that because I was teaching on that today. <laughs> and uh, the Bible I didn't does know say, that. and the Bible does say that, um, and these were the words of Peter preaching to the, uh, to the, um, uh, group or the, company or the congregation there uh, on the day of Pentecost, he's, he, he appeals to them and says, hey, 
David, you know the patriarch David, he says, we know that he has, you know, died and his grave is here with us. He has not ascended up. And so, um, the New Testament believers, uh, the apostles believed that when you die, you pretty much rest in the grave. That's correct. Yeah. And, 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 and for Peter to say that to the Jews, um, who knew the scriptures in and out, well, let's hope they knew them in and out, but, who were raised, you know, with the scriptures, then we can, we can be sure that Peter knew exactly what he was saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because no one questions him, by the way. No. Wouldn't it be horrid though to think that, um, well, Adam sinned. Mm. Wouldn't it be terrible? And Cain, he murdered his brother. Mm. Wouldn't it be terrible if all those years that have elapsed between that they were eternally burning in torment? Mm. All these years compared to somebody who perhaps um, dies tomorrow mm. or today, mm. Mm. the shorter time before Jesus comes, mm. that is not a God that we know. No, that is not no, a God. No, no. He would not condone that. He says no. even even to condone a nation um, to turn them away or say, depart from me, I know you're not, yeah. is a strange act. That's right. That's in right. the Bible. God That's says right. that, you know, in That's the right. Bible. That's it's right. a strange act from him. Yes. Why? Because God is love. That's right. He's That's love. Right. He wants, he doesn't like the sin, mm. but he loves us. That's right. And we That's are right. sinners. And That's even, right. what does it say in scripture? While we were yet sinners, God, Christ died on the yes, cross That's right. Christ for you for and for yes. me. That's right. Now this is a God who would not put up with eternally burning torture. Mm. No way. No, definitely not. And no. only that heaven will not be heaven knowing that your loved ones who Unfortunately rejected, well, yeah, who unfortunately rejected God. Yes. Uh, are burning, they're roasting, mm. and they're crying out, and they're screaming out, I don't no. think heaven will be heaven. No. Um, so, yeah. uh, and, and anyways, I, I believe we will share more scriptures regarding the truth, uh, as it is found in scripture, but let us, Maybe take a break. I believe that was quite a lot to take in, especially if you're listening to this for the first time. But um, I guess the beautiful message is God is love and his agenda is to save. But unfortunately, those who will reject him will receive their own reward of choosing. Um, And so, but let us come to a short break. And this is the song by um, uh, Wendell. I believe that's how you pronounce the name. Kimbra. All right. And the song is I'm Making All Things New. While you're listening, you may take your phone if you happen to be sitting at home uh, and text uh, to this number 0488-880811. Let us know where you're listening from. Let us know some of the things you have heard about uh, uh, hell and some of the questions you might be wrestling with. Uh, also, if you would like to uh, receive a free offer, this is the book, God May Be Kinder Than You Think by Jim Ayer. Uh, feel free to just send us your name, your address, and your phone number, and the code. This is the te- this is a code you need to uh, text us uh, in order to receive that book. The code is Judgment. And hell. So please do enjoy the following uh, uh, song uh, that, uh, yeah, that will give us a little bit of a break and then we'll be right back shortly. The phone. 
things were past And I heard my Savior sing I have come for you at last I will wipe away their sorrow You will no more cry or grieve To the thirsty I give healing From the spring of life come Listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Fabiano Niunghuru and our regular co-host Helen Gray. And the topic for today is where did the hellfire teaching originate under the theme, how good was God when he created hell? Obviously, uh, the, the theme is one that can throw most people off. It's like, what? <laughs> but uh, what a beautiful song. I'm making all things new. Um, God desires to dwell with each one of us. He wants to... Um, Give us eternal life, a life abundant. That is God's um, desire. And dear friend, once again, let me once again uh, say that um, Helen has been sharing with us that uh, there is this strange uh, belief 
in Christendom that uh, uh, that of hell uh, as being a place of eternal torment and and burning and, and all that and one of the things that I've learned today is that hey actually the disciples didn't teach that um, this was a teaching that was adopted from the philosophies that uh, were circulating um, shortly after the disciples died and so and the apostles died and so um, yes something actually that was part of what took the church into these dark ages the time of um, yeah, darkness in, in, in matters of spirituality. And so that was quite an eye opening, um, discovery, uh, that, 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 that was for me. And, uh, we've then looked at a few scriptures that helps us to see exactly what the Bible has to say. But let me pass the ball back to, uh, Helen as we, uh, discuss further on this topic. And Helen, feel free now to share some more insights. This is quite amazing. Okay. Um, there are many, many good reasons to question this teaching. Hmm. Many good reasons. But the most important reason is the simple fact that the Bible does not teach it. Interesting. You know, yeah. contrary to the loud cry or loud claims of staunch supporters of it, yeah. it is not a scriptural doctrine. Right. And it, but it is now being realized by a growing number of biblically faithful Christians today. Mm. The Bible itself gives a strong, irrefutable proof to right. any honest reader that hell, the lake of fire, signifies literal everlasting destruction Right. For ungodly people, right. not eternal conscious torment. Mm, That's mm, an important mm. way to think about it. Mm, it's mm, destruction. Mm. Yes, okay, yes, yes. and that's the reason why so many Christians of all persuasions are now embracing the doctrine of everlasting destruction, not because they're going liberal, okay, but because they are going biblical. Right, right, you know, and right. for clear proof uh, that literal everlasting destruction is what the Bible really teaches, we could turn to Scripture. Yes, you know, for an honest study of this, the Apostle Paul, for example, Fabiano, he summed up the whole matter of people's reward for sin when he wrote Romans six twenty three. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of love, but the gift of God is eternal life. I knew yeah. you'd know that one. <laughs> could anything be clearer than that text? No, that is, yeah, that is. Uh, what do we say in Australia? It clears a whistle? Yes. <laughs> there you go. The, the yeah, wages yeah, for yeah, sin is yeah. shown to be death, mm, mm, not mm. eternal torment. That's right. That's right. And eternal life is stated to be a gift yes. from God, mm. not something people already have. Mm. And that is consistently expressed right the way from Genesis to Revelation. Right. And, right. you know, I go back to, to the gift of God's Son. Yes. I think we're nearly running out of time. Mm. So let me just summarize a little bit here. Right. God, because he so loved the world and didn't want anyone to perish, gave his Son as a sin sacrifice in order that we may have the gift of eternal life. Yes. The difference between wages and a gift is that wages are earned while a gift is free. Jesus paid the death penalty that we've all earned so that we can have the free gift of eternal life. And the Lord did this so that we could fellowship with him forever instead of reaping the wages of sin, right. which is death. Have I got time just to summarize a little bit? Yes, you can. <laughs> okay. There was a gentleman by the name of Clark Pinnock. He so aptly put it this way. He said, this doctrine of eternal torture makes God out to be morally worse than Hitler, hmm. who maintains an everlasting Auschwitz for his en enemy. 
whom he does not even allow to die. <laughs> How can one love a God like that? I suppose one might be afraid of him, but could we love and respect him? Would we want to strive to be like him in his mercilessness? Let's be honest here and tell it like it is. The doctrine of never-ending conscious torment makes God out to be a cruel, unjust, merciless monster. Yeah. Who would possibly want to accept salvation from such a God? <laughs> that is a lie that Satan has put into the minds of men. That's right. It's become a tradition, and uh, it goes along with the other traditions, as I mentioned at the start, when it started off um, becoming a tradition brought in by Greek philosophy. It then went from the um, tortures of uh, ever-burning ever hell mm. that people are going to be tortured in to the immortality of the soul. Mm. It's interesting when you know that if you give God your life now, Right. When he comes, he will give us immortality Amen. at that point, Amen. not now. And it's going to be the wicked will be destroyed, not burning forever. I think the Bible is very, very clear on, on that point. And I think we need to, we need to follow scripture. Amen. We need to give people the blessed hope that no, there's nobody burning and to being tortured in hell mm. at this moment. That's right. That's Praise right. the Lord for that. And when Jesus comes, no, the wicked will be destroyed, annihilated, yes. another word. They will not be tormented forever. Their torment won't be so much flames. Their torment will be separation from God. That's right. And I praise God that he's given us the freedom of choice, that we can make an, a decision. And please, listener, please make that decision right now because he says now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Don't leave it. Amen. Well, it looks like our times are for today. And thanks for joining Fabiano and Helen on the Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when Nick and Tracy will be discussing the topic, Doesn't God Promise a Future? Well, lo really looking forward to once again hearing from you as you interact with us uh, uh, on that number uh, once again. And uh, we also want to leave you this promise uh, uh, of what Jesus said, I'm leaving you with this gift peace of mind and heart and the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives so don't be troubled or afraid in John fourteen twenty seven, may God richly bless you my friend and let us just have a short word of prayer Father in heaven thank you for the peace that you bring thank you for the wonderful message the good news of salvation in that salvation is possible through Christ and Father we are thankful that um, through your word we can see that these teachings um, that really paint a very um, bad image of you are not biblical. Help us to find only and to rely only and solely on the Bible and the Bible alone. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.